Today's episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. At Shutterstock.com, you'll find the perfect video for your next creative project, whether it's for your website, advertising, multimedia presentation, or other type of film project. You can choose from over 2 million highly qu- high-quality stock video clips, 2D animations, and 3D motion graphics. They have clips in a variety of digital formats, from low resolution for web usage to HD, and now some in 4K. Shutterstock ensures you to get quality and selection from its video clip libraries. They have contributors who are professional filmmakers, and Shutterstock reviews each video individually for content and quality before adding it to its library. Shutterstock adds over 20,000 video clips each week, so every time you visit, you'll find something new. They also have flexible pricing. You can choose between individual clips or video packs for the best deal. Plus, Shutterstock makes it easy. Shutterstock has sophisticated tools so you can search and drill down by category, clip resolution, contributor name, and more. Why, just today I found some very cool footage of the TARDIS. It's a picture, but there are a bunch of pictures, and you can put them all together to make footage out of it. You can try Shutterstock today by signing up for a free account. No credit card is needed. Just start an account, begin browsing Shutterstock to help imagine what your next project could be like, and save video selections to your clip box. Once you decide to purchase, use the offer code NWP1014. That's NWP and the numbers 1014. And new accounts will receive 20% off footage clips. That's Shutterstock.com. And for 20% off any video clips with a new account, use the offer code NWP1014. We thank Shutterstock for their support. Now entering... Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blecker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. Welcome, you guys. This is it. Uh, we've got the the brains behind uh, the that's, showrunners that's documentary, nice <laughs> <laughs> the creative minds. Um, Even noiser. Why don't we Why don't we go around? First of all, let's say the showrunners documentary. I watched it. It is terrific. You guys can watch it starting this Friday. It is uh, on iTunes exclusive for a month, and uh, then will be available VOD and elsewhere. It'll also be in theaters if you're in a city that has it in a theater. Look it up. Uh, Do you know what those cities are? Yeah, LA only at the moment in the arena uh, playing from Friday. Terrific. I think it's actually worth seeing on a big screen uh, because it's a really beautifully shot film, uh, and that's something we can talk about. But let's, let's go around and introduce yourselves, starting here with Ryan. Uh, Ryan Patrick McGuffie, uh, producer of uh, Showrunners. Uh, Des Doyle, director of Showrunners. And I'm Tara Bennett, and I am the author of the companion book to Showrunners. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Um, let's, um, let's answer the question I'm sure you guys have been asked a ton already, which is, where did this come from? Why, why the hell would anyone make a documentary about Showrunners? Um, Bunch of white guys. <laughs> <laughs> unstable. Sad. Um, well, you're actually partly to blame in a way because when when I when when I first came over to LA um, to try and to try and do it, I, I convinced the Irish Film Board to give me some development money to try and come over and do something about showrunners. But when I come over, because no one knew who I was and I had no track records, first mm-hmm. time ever directing anything, one of the first places I ended up was at one of the nerdest podcasts here downstairs in Meltdown, and. Um, that actually gave me an opportunity. I think Damon Lindelof Damon was, on, was on that, that oh, wow. particular day as well. That was well. one of our first panels. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we got a chance to have a word with him afterwards uh, at that as well. Um, 
But uh, it, it came about just because I'm a total TV nerd. I'm, mm. I mean, I grew up watching American TV. I, I think no one does drama better than American television or comedy, really, to be honest. Although I'm sure there's some people who, who love BBC comedy who'll, who'll argue strongly with me on that point. Um, but but I was just always fascinated. I've always been fascinated with how things get made, how things are written, what goes on behind the scenes and stuff. And um, those two things combined um, kind of gave me an opportunity because I, I, I used to work in camera for a long time back in Ireland and I was just kind of getting a little bored with, with doing that. So the opportunity to try and do something more creative hmm. about creative people was irresistible. Yeah, saying. I mean, I, I, obviously anyone who listens to this podcast is going to enjoy Showrunners. I hope so. <laughs> uh, you know, because it, it, you guys do delve into that same process stuff that I get excited about and that uh, theoretically our listeners get excited about. Certainly, I, I responded to it in the film. Great. Um, so, so how do you convince... I mean, you had some money from the Irish Film Board, but how do you convince them like that this is a story worth telling? Um, well, basically... I was very, very lucky. The guy that I pitched to over there, who's a wonderful human being called Alan Marr, um, happens to be a huge TV nerd himself. <laughs> um, so he was interested to begin with. The, the big question for him was, can you get them on camera? Can you get them saying something interesting? What is the possible story that you, that you can tell about them in that regard? Mm -hmm. So like I said, they gave us a little bit of development money to come over. It took us four months, I think, to get the first person on camera as well. It was really? incredibly difficult at the start. Um, yeah, what was involved with that? I mean, I know, like, people ask how I book this show, yeah. and it's always, who do I want, can I get to them, it's friends of friends, uh, and, and it's so low-key, right? We're all behind microphones, nobody has to look at us, it's all yeah. very easy to do. But, you know, coming to their office and shooting... and Finding out where they're drinking, usually, <laughs> quite well. Yeah. Catch them at the right moment. Yeah, I, well, I mean, there was, a, there was a different story, literally, for, for everybody. I mean, some people... Some people were total flukes. I mean, Joss Whedon was a total fluke. Um, you know how so? Well, because we'd we'd spent a year trying to get to him through different people, and we even tried the official manager agent route, mm -hmm. which is the most pointless thing in the yes. world to ever do. <laughs> um, and then we, we, myself and Ryan, were at a, a, a meeting with the with the guys from Fringe at a, um, Santa Monica, and, and walked out the door, and Joss Whedon was standing there <laughs> talking to somebody in the car park. Sorry, parking lot. I keep getting I keep getting corrected for saying car park. It's Sorry. parking lot. Listeners will find it charming. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so we just waited to, till he finished. Standing there top. in a beam of light, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And, and we, we basically chased him and, and did That's this like hilarious. thirty second verbal spew of pitch. Just sure. we looked at each other first. We kind of cocked our heads and then looked back at Joss and went, "Okay, here it is." Yeah, and, and just go. I think I think we listed everybody we knew that he knew, right? In an attempt to you know kind yeah. of. Give some bona fides. And, and, um, and thankfully, at that point, we had Jane Espenson mm -hmm. and, and Steve Denight, and um, you mm -hmm. know some people he'd had long-standing relationships with, he'd sure. already worked with, and yeah. to kind of it was That's safe. Funny. Yeah, but <laughs> I think at the end of it, he's like, "Yeah, I've got a few things I can say about show running." <laughs> and at this point, he was in post on Avengers, so he's far enough oh, removed wow. from it. I felt like it is safe, mm -hmm. you know, distance that he could kind of. He was an interesting one, actually, for. The self-awareness that he had. Oh, he's so self. Yeah. I mean, so I guess it's not surprising, but oh. like to be this huge movie director now, looking back on what it was to run a show, mm -hmm. uh, that that was very interesting. How? What was the interview style like? Uh, well, we tried to make it as conversational as possible all the time. I, I like. I hate the idea of of interviewing someone per se. You know, mm -hmm. you, you tend to get much better 
I don't want to use the word material either, but get a much better <laughs> response from people. A better conversation. A better conversation, yeah, yeah if, if you can kind of relax them. The, the, the difficulty that we had with the morning with Joss was he, he, he was literally about to go on his first vacation for two and a half years. It was just after the opening weekend of the Avengers. And just as we started, we had literally one hour, that was it. And, and just as we started rolling, they started cutting down this tree outside his house, oh, these huge no. chainsaws. And then that started a traffic jam, so everybody was honking on their horns and stuff. So out of the corner of my eye, I'm looking at my sound guy, and he's going, no, 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 no. And there's nothing I can do, because... I see your audio engineer there. snickering in the corner <laughs> over there. Um, but thankfully, ridiculous. thankfully, the, the post guys back in Dublin did a fantastic job on it, cleaned it up. Wow. And I don't think I don't think anyone would notice no, that all that was going not. on. So certainly not. Yeah, because I mean, everything he gave me was gold. I mean, that that, that was definitely one of the, my favorite interviews to do. You know, I mean, and it's also like everything finishes with a one-liner. You know, it, <laughs> sure. it's just it's default. I don't think he can not do that. Like you know, um, it's years of sitcom training. <laughs> keeps you um, good out in the edit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to. I want to kind of pick up there and ask some things. But Tara, I want to ask how you got involved with this endeavor. Well, I'm actually. Um, um, I, I teach a, a showrunners class. I actually developed it with some with some showrunners a, at Rowan University, and um, I was just on Twitter, and uh, I saw the, the showrunners handle because they were at that mm-hmm. time looking for some uh, Kickstarter support for the last uh, phase of the funding. And I said, hey, you know, when's the movie out? Uh, you know, I want to use it for my class. And uh, they're like, we're not done. <laughs> we need to, we're not done yet. Uh, you know, if you can support that, that would be great. And so, you know, we just ended up uh, following each other. And then I just, um, you know, was asking questions about it because it was perfect, you know, for what I was teaching. And then um, I also, you know, uh, do a lot of uh, book writing about television and mm-hmm. entertainment writing. And so I knew a lot of these people that they were getting for it, uh, the, the, the interviews. And I was just like, well, this is like perfect. This is like people that I know. And this illustrates exactly, you know, what this weird job is. And so um, I said, you guys should do a book. And they were like, OK. And then they went and shot the movie. And then they came back and did a bunch more interviews. And then Desi emailed me and goes, yeah, you know that book thing? <laughs> How do we do that? And so um, we just talked about what he'd want the book to be. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the movie has so many wonderful interviews. And it's, you know, only 90 minutes. So the book is really the supercut of the movie. Sure. You know, it's, it certainly just allows for us to really have deeper conversations and even include some people that yeah, they couldn't keep in the edit is just because of time, not because of content. And um, it was just really a joy to be able to go through all of those transcripts and, and try to shape a book that augmented and kind of followed what the movie tried to do, mm-hmm. but then also be its own thing so that if you really want to know more about what this world is, um, you really get to dive into the interviews. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, what was interesting to me is the film isn't about writing. You know, unlike this podcast, which is we tend to concentrate yeah. on, the film is really about the job of the showrunner and trying to show that in some concrete way. Did you guys, what did you know coming in, and how did you start to put that together in editing? Um, well, I, I'd read everything I possibly could get my hands on mm-hmm. about showrunners. Um, and which is part of the reason why we made it yeah, it wasn't a whole lot out there um, yeah. and I, when I came over initially Jane Espenson very kindly sat down with me and, and we had a, a kind of a chat with her and I met a few other people and just, just getting kind of material about, about the job um, David Zucker from Scott Free sat down with me and a couple of other people um, so I, I thought I had a relatively good understanding of what it was and, and what I might need to do in, in order to, to tell it but um, 
it, it, it definitely is a film that was made in the editing to a certain extent. I think like most documentaries, mm -hmm. I mean, we had we had two kind of core elements, which is the Matt Carnahan House of Lies thread. Uh, we were very lucky to find Matt just yeah. at that particular moment. Um, and uh, we kind of bonded a little bit because he'd spent some time in Ireland. His first play had been produced in Ireland. Um, so we caught him on a good day. In fact, the, the, the very first day we filmed with him was a disaster because... He, he surfs, he's a crazy surfer and we got out of our way to get this underwater camera guy and we went down to Malibu and we were going to do this big surfing thing and when we got there it was like 6am and there were no waves it was raining, there was nothing happening so we had to very hurriedly find somewhere else to sit down and do it, but the plus side of that was he kind of I had enough time to talk with him before we actually hmm. rolled, I, I think he felt very comfortable yeah. by the time we actually started talking, so yeah. there's a couple of things he even said to me there that kind of surprised me for a, for a first time, hmm. you know, talking um, and we should say, I mean, that, that thread it gives a nice spine to the entire movie, which yeah. is, I think you, you meet him right when House of Lies is picked up J just, just when the pilot's been ordered yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then all the way through to basically um, the premiere. The, the premiere, premiere, yeah, which yeah. is a great story. And then on the other side, you have Mike Rice. <laughs> yeah. Um, Who, I mean, he's done adore. this, and we know yeah. Mike, and he's yeah. terrific, Mike. hilarious, and yeah, you he, get him on Men of a Certain Age. Yeah, he's, an, he's one of the loveliest human beings out there. Um, and a, a, again, it's one of those kind of karmic things, just the particular first moment that we, we caught with him happened to be that that particular day I, I, I don't want to give too much maybe away about it here but it, it was it's very rare to see someone that emotional yeah. especially someone who is like kind of quite used to being on camera and dealing with it um, but I think we just caught him at a very kind of key moment mm -hmm. and and fair play to him like he, he's allowed us to use that moment some people Hmm. Might have been a little touchy about it or whatever, but um, I, I think it's one of. I think it really helps people empathise with him as well, and and the the plight of the showrunner in general, because yeah. he's not the only person to have found himself <laughs> in that position, you know. Absolutely, yeah. It was a, it was an interesting counterpoint to yeah. uh, the House of Lies story, and it was also. I mean, it it goes a long way to show what I think you guys do show in the film, which is this is more than a job. Right. You know, yeah. there's this enormous emotional component to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's because it is craft and it is managerial, uh, and you can't and, separate. Them and, and because they get to live with those characters for such an extended sure. period of time, like I think for some people, especially if a show is running five, six, seven years, they really do feel like family to a certain extent, you know. Yeah. And you may hate them as well <laughs> by the end of that period of time, but uh, yeah, and, and, and especially Mike with that particular show, Men of a Certain Age, that yeah. was that was really his, his, his and Ray's personal stories, like you know. Mm. For sure. It was interesting to me that, and, and maybe you guys, maybe there wasn't place for this in the film, but there was no one talking about, they talked about how difficult it was, but when you get a bunch of writers together, <laughs> there's a lot more whining than there is in the film. <laughs> Did this, was there that? Did this come out? Or was it just the nature of the one-on-one -on -one conversation you were having that they didn't need to do that? Um, the, okay. Whining is a strong word. <laughs> um... Listen, we love it. It's all very happy whining. It always comes with, listen, I'm lucky to have this, but it's really hard. Yeah. Um, there, w there was possibly an earlier cut where there might have been a little more <laughs> emphasis on, on that kind of thing. But um, I, kind of, I kind of didn't want to do that in a way because um, some of the early feedback that we kind of got was, to a certain extent, look, these people are incredibly lucky. Why are they complaining so much? Yeah. 
Yeah, um, for an outsider, for, it's for, very for different. Yeah, exactly. Uh, having to see this happen. Yeah, and and I, par- partly in a way, I also thought that maybe that meant that I wasn't really explaining the difficulty mm-hmm. enough at that point to to the audience as well. So. We went back and, and rejigged a little, a little bit along those lines, so I think that's why hopefully it's a little bit more balanced in, mm-hmm. in, in the final film oh, as sure. it stands. But, I think um, it's also in the book, too. We do get into more of the nuts, and bolts. the nuts and bolts of what it's like to be a writer that can't write as much when mm-hmm. you're a showrunner, what it's like to try to staff a room and mm-hmm. figure out you know what kind of other voices that you want. And then, you know, I think Bill Prady is really honest, too, about kind <laughs> of the talking about, you know, you know, I'm whining while I have my gold bullion under my arm. You know, he's, he's very self-aware in the yeah. idea that, yeah, they all know that they're making a lot of money doing this, but they didn't get into it necessarily to make that money. They mm-hmm. certainly got into it to tell stories. And the higher up the rank of the writer's, you know, ladder um, from you know story editor to all the way up to showrunner. The less you get to do that thing that you're in love with. Yeah, the reason you got into exactly, this and, in the and first how place. some of them really, I think, honestly, don't candidly say that they haven't 100% come to terms with that. And then those that have figured out how to make it um, mm-hmm. a marriage of commerce and art. Mm-hmm. Plus, when we changed the title of the film to Winers, How to Run a TV <laughs> Show, we figured, well, that pretty much speaks for itself. We actually have to illustrate it. They, they know. <laughs> I have so. two more pitches for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some people you could involve in that Winers, <laughs> the Winers version. Um, Is that Matt Weiner? No. Oh. Cut that. There were some. We're going to leave that in. Because I there just were saw him some. in Austin. He didn't whine once, to be fair. <laughs> no, he, and he doesn't. Uh, that guy loves doing what he does. He does. Um, he's an amazing writer. There were some glaring omissions that I was actually kind of surprised about. Like yeah. that, that Matt Weiner wasn't in it, that Vince Gilligan wasn't in it. It's not for lack of trying. Really? It's, Did you guys just cut a wide swath looking for people? No, we were very specific and very targeted. Oh, really? Yes. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, um, we do have a wish list when I, when I started of, of people that I really wanted. Uh, Matt Weiner was obviously one of the people on the list. Matt just didn't want to do it. Um, which he's, is the problem. He's tough to get. Yeah, he's tough he really to get. Um, Much as he loves talking, he's yeah. tough to get. Yeah, and, and we, we, we actually had like one of the producers on Mad Men like, pitching for us in our corner, and he's mm. still... And similarly, you know, with Shonda Rhimes, we tried very, very sure. hard for a long time to get Shonda, and, and that... Me that, too, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, um, so, you know, it, it, it does bug me a little bit sometimes when I see comments on, where people are going like, why isn't this person, why yeah. isn't this person? Yeah. We did ask. David Chase. Of course. Yeah, and the thing about Vince Gilligan, which is even more it's frustrating, even is yeah. that Vince said yes, but he said yes to us so... I mean, we're an ultra-low budget indie mm-hmm. movie. We could only film in very small kind of blocks mm-hmm. over periods of time. When he said yes to us, it was almost right at the end of us doing it, and we just couldn't make the schedules. Oh, that's too much. You know, Writer because in LA productions in Albuquerque, Des is in Dublin. I mean, right? Yeah, you know, and, and I'm sure, as you know yourself, even getting a narrow with people can be an incredibly complicated yeah. thing to do. So, um, yeah. You know, an hour of his time going into season five. Right. Yeah. I, Good luck. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't the easiest thing to make happen. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I I totally acknowledge that those people are not there, but it's not for want of trying. Interesting. And and that said, I mean, you get this really terrific cross section of people. Um, their stories. <coughs> each story is unique. Uh, you know, as you would expect in this, and each mm-hmm. person is is a powerhouse showrunner in his and her way. Uh, were there surprises for you guys? 
as you went through things you either learned about the job or about the people you were talking to? <laughs> so much. Um, the way television is being executed is not going to change anytime soon. Hmm. The format, the content delivery platform, the way in which, in which we ingest it may change. The process by which it is created will, well, for the most part, I think. So while it took us four and a half years to make this film and some of the shows, it does show its age. I actually heard a great comment from Noah Hawley in Austin who said... Um, uh, the showrunner from Fargo and uh, creator, and he, he he said, "I could tell." We watched it from the projection booth in Austin, and he's like, "I could tell from what season you were filming with that guy on <laughs> by the look in their eyes." That is absolutely by, true. If you are in Hollywood, the hollow, vacuous, you know, look yeah. in their eyes, like how bad it was. Yeah, um, that's really but, funny. Yeah, and we he asked me the same question, and we you know we're talking about like because we were talking to a room full of writers, much like we are now, and. Uh, um, yeah, so the the the, par- the process isn't going to change, and while mm. some of the material in the film might seem dated by the time you see it, simply because there are shows that mm-hmm. are coming to the end of their life uh, or have ended already, mm-hmm. um, the process and the information that is that um, you know tied in with that is is the same, and that will always pretty much be the same for as long as yeah. I can foresee. It was interesting even seeing Jane talk about husbands, yeah. which yeah. you know is a web show, mm-hmm. but is absolutely run the same. The job yep. of the showrunner yep. is the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we we did try very hard to try and get a cross section of people from, you know, broadcast, cable, premium, and the web to try and, you know, show some of the differences or, you know, the different requirements that that people have in those jobs and the similarities, which are, are kind of key as well, mm-hmm. I guess as well. But uh, I mean, one, one one of the big surprises for me, I think, was um, uh, the the sacrifice on a social level for the guys, <laughs> like you know, just not getting to see their families enough, yeah. you know. James Duff, uh, who unfortunately isn't in the film but is in the book, um, I remember he told me he, he had to write an email to all his friends saying, "Okay, I'm gone for six months. Don't contact me unless it's a wedding or a funeral." You know? Wow. Um, because he just knew the workload that was in front of him at that point in time, and uh, you, you kind of need some understanding friends to yeah. to yeah. kind of make that work. You know? I mean, the Kings. I remember them saying to me like they. they kind of felt blessed that they were a married couple who still got along yeah. Robert Michelle um, King from The Good Wife yeah, yeah. Who I, I was so glad you guys got them I've been wanting to talk to them for a while They're and I feel like now I don't have to you have this <laughs> great conversation with them you should you should have them all yeah actually they, they were they were really lovely to us because uh, we I think we were originally given 30 minutes with them because the Hollywood Reporter were coming in after us and then they made the Hollywood Reporter wait for us because they were enjoying the conversation so, oh that's sweet yeah um, so thank you <laughs> I'm sure they listen. I think they even got a, they got a call from set from uh, one of the actors, wasn't it? Oh, hilarious! Yes, yeah. <laughs> Make them wait. Yeah, we're not going to say who it was. But they got a call. And they're like, eh, yeah, we'll call them back. We're having fun with these guys. Yeah, the assistant wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> that is great, though. That's you know that's the sign of a good conversation. Yeah, that's really no. nice. Yeah. Um, likewise, was there stuff? Again, you've been teaching this, mm-hmm. you've written these books, you know what goes on behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Was there stuff that was surprising to you that came out of the conversations? I think the candor, you know? I mean, um, you know, when they're talking about things like sacrifice of family and how showrunning can break up marriages and, hmm. you know, create all kinds of, um, you know, strife. And, um, you know, also, uh, you know, I, I think that there's also this idea that if you've made it to this kind of pinnacle, um, that there's this confidence that's going to overcome um, the perception of what people think, you know, um, 
a writer is, and they're still writers at heart, you know, and they, so there's a lot of um, vulnerability that they show in these interviews about how they still question whether they know what the hell they're doing, um, if they're doing it well, if they, you know, sometimes are so overworked and get, you know, mm -hmm. so many questions. I know um, during one of our talks, you know, Hart Hansen had this really great story about how he's gotten to the point where he will come out of his office and it's about three cubicles to the coffee maker and he will literally come out and announce like God, I'm walking to get a coffee. No one's allowed to ask me a question. <laughs> and then just go. And he goes, you know, in some ways I'm an asshole because I'm doing that. But, you know, I have no time. I think it's courteous. Yeah. He, he goes, I'm just trying Sorry. to. You don't have to be rude. Yeah. yeah. I'll do it all at once. Um, exactly. And just, you know, that they are s desperately trying to, like, stay ahead yeah. of what is needed from them. And, you know, that, that yeah. it is not... Um, it's not like, hey, I made it to showrunner. This is all easy. Snap, snap, mm -hmm. snap. And everybody does what I need them to do. It's just a billion questions. It's like being a parent. And if you already <laughs> are a parent, you know, you don't see those kids as much as you, the kids <laughs> that you're dealing with every day on your multi-million dollar show. And yeah. so I think that was really interesting to know that even though you're making a lot of money, even though you might be, you know, a quasi-household name based on the popularity of your show, they still are, you know, a, a writer at heart, and that they still, you know, that they know that they're fallible too. Mm -hmm. Another thing I learned, um, and I only really noticed this once, we got far enough through production that we were kind of building a relationship with people, some of the assistants and the writers. And oh, absolutely. We were, we're chatting and seeing each other outside of work. <laughs> uh, and they're like, hey, so uh, what's it like over there? <laughs> yeah. So, what, you know, like, do, what do they got? Like, what do they got? What do they got over there in that, in that writer's room? You know, <laughs> what, what kind of menus? Where That's, were they ordering lunch from? My wife wanted me to ask you guys who had the best candy. <laughs> right? Exactly. No, like, the house writer's room had, like, a pool table. Right? And then we go to Spartacus, and right. they've got, like, a, you know, a broken, table. like, a leaning pink pong table <laughs> and, like, paper cups. And we all know what's going on over there. Right. You know, Steve, you could, <laughs> Steve tonight was even saying to us, like, you know, Damon Lindelof's office is so much cooler than mine. I don't think we should shit in my office. Um, Which, it's true. But it, it, but, it, true. but it is really true, actually, because these guys don't ever normally compare notes in any way. Like, yeah. it's, Matt Carnan said, you know, there's no bar in Sunset that you don't go to where everybody swaps horror stories or whatever. So mm -hmm. I think they found it interesting watching the film themselves because even... Uh, Ron Moore was with us when we screened the film in Edinburgh and, and he'd just watched it two days beforehand so I was very nervous when, it, when <laughs> I found him at that point but he said yeah he said yeah I know that I know that donut I know that <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's like there, there is some kind of universality of experience in That's there for funny. sure oh for know? sure for sure was that uh, was that his office uh <laughs> No. <laughs> All right, because that was a nice office. <laughs> oh, no, well, it, no, it is. Well, it, it's, his, it's his production company's office. Oh, okay. uh, That's rather, rather than an actual writer's room, but it is a very nice office. That's very yes. funny. Um, Hart was someone who I was thrilled to see in the movie. Yeah, he's so he's, good, he's a prince, yeah. uh, but the kind of access that you guys got, I mean, you actually sat in the writer's room with him. Do you have the breaking of an entire episode I mean, it's we, not all in the film, but yeah. I feel like you must have that footage. Yeah, we, we, we shot for a good hour, at least, in the writer's yeah. room, yeah. And I, I always tried and, and kind of <clears throat> to try and get people a little used to the cameras. We'd kind of sit back for about 20, 25 minutes mm -hmm. and just let them get into the rhythm of it before I'd start kind of throwing some questions at okay. them. Um, so, although, as you can see, Jonathan Collier is very nervous at this top <laughs> about spoilers and stuff. That was very um, funny. But yeah, I, I mean... Those things are, I mean, th th all that stuff with Hart took about six months to set up. Mm -hmm. 
because um, you know Fox were a little nervous. The, the studios, the actors, you, you just need to try mm. and clear with everybody. Yeah. E- even though David Boreanaz seems very surprised in the film when we show up, he did he, know he about knows. it. <laughs> 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 he yeah. may have forgotten, but he did know about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's fantastic to be able to to get those experiences. Like you know, and, and there are times sometimes when even. Uh, in the Spartacus room because there was just so much banter that was so funny you know they were talking mm-hmm. about the fact that stars would let them do anything and so they were trying to come up with the most atrocious lines <laughs> they possibly could for that show to see if a note would come back saying no you can't do this you know is that where Jupiter's um, cock came from well, that, 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 yeah. Steve and I told the story but he stepped out of the shower yeah. one morning looked down and that's bang that's where that oh, idea came yeah. from <laughs> but uh, but that banter was so good that at one point like one of the camera guys had to tap me on the shoulder and say are you going to ask anything because I was like literally kind of getting lost yeah. in a little bit and just enjoying you know listening to them um, but uh, yeah well was, there is a- in that and in that Bones writers room and even in like the production meetings that happened yeah. part of a great fly on the wall uh, yeah. aspect we it. sat in on uh, House of Lies production meeting and um, the tone meeting for Bones mm-hmm. uh, with the with the director yeah, I, mean, yeah. we, we, I mean there's more of that stuff as well like we were, we're in edit with Bones and, and some other people and stuff as well but but I, I kind of we kind of restricted it to, to kind of down the life of Hart yeah. as, as like a through line and then with Matt just kind of following the progress of the show over mm-hmm. kind of year one as, as much as possible but there is there is a lot of other stuff which Hopefully, you know, we'll make it to the DVD or, or, or somewhere else along the way, yeah. um, or which is in the book as well, if, if sure. you want to. Yeah, I would love to check that out. That yeah. sounds great. Um, let's talk for a second just about the Kickstarter campaign, okay. um, if, if you care to. Sure. These sure. Things, if it's informative. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is, and only, only that I, I cannot stress enough how much this is. these things are campaigns, <laughs> you know, that you guys are in the middle of making a film, and... Uh, what was the purpose of the Kickstarter campaign? Uh, well, we hit a number of hurdles throughout the production, and uh, like most first-time filmmakers, you know, we did not anticipate certain costs. Of course. Um, and clearances are a big one, um, hmm. for especially for documentary world, you know, yeah. in the documentary world. Oh, that um, didn't occur to me, of course. Yeah, clearances and, and uh, releases for... for all sorts of things, all sorts of things. <laughs> Pictures on the wall, um, oh, yeah, no. names of things <laughs> up on a billboard. Like you just never, yeah, yeah uh, you wouldn't think just because it's outside you have to clear that. Yeah. Um, but the Kickstarter was, you know, w- 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 at that time we didn't really uh, know uh, exactly like our, our timeline. We, we had a, we had an idea of a timeline, like where when we wanted the film to be done. Mm-hmm. But then we did this Kickstarter campaign, and we, then we have the opportunity to shoot with some additional people to sure. expand on the on the uh, conversation we were having. But initially, you know, I think we tried to raise 80, 80 grand. We raised mm-hmm. close to a hundred, yeah, and then um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would say don't ever run a Kickstarter campaign in December. Yeah, <laughs> it started on my thirty second birthday and ended on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, um, and I didn't leave my I didn't leave my house for a month. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It, it is so much work. Uh, just the constant upkeep of it. Yeah. Uh, even I mean, a hundred thousand is is a big chunk of change. Yeah. It's not a small campaign, but no. you know, yeah, I mean, it's I a mean, big risk. It was especially asking risk. for that much money. We got some yeah. flack, I think, for it. Did you really? I'm a little bit online, yeah, and I'm, I'm okay with saying that because I think if you go into this and like you can, the only thing I would change about what we did is that like identifying the costs up front. Wow, but it's hard to anticipate what those are going to be Absolutely. when you're not done. Well, you know, yeah, it's impossible. I mean, we, I mean, we we had, we had a good idea 
like th that money had to cover the editing process as right. well. So we had a good idea what that was going to cost mm -hmm. us. The, yeah. clearan the clearances was um, a real nightmare because that actually held the film up for another year in wow. trying to do it because we literally had to negotiate with every studio and network agent, manager, photo agency, copyright holder. Um, and some of them were extremely helpful and some of them weren't. And the worst of all is some people who negotiated with us for a long period of time and then very, very close to the end suddenly said no. Oh. Because then you've got to go back into the cut and change things money. again. Right. Um, so, yeah, th like, there was a point in time in the middle of that where we were all kind of, like, banging our heads a little bit, kind of, you know. And I have to say, you know, I know some, some people who support us on Kickstarter are a little frustrated with the amount of time it's taken for the film to come through. Yes. But well, we, Welcome we, to my world. <laughs> But we we were hitting hurdles that we just there was a limit to what we could do about you know I mean, you still want you want to make the best product you can yeah. that's yeah. that's what they paid for yeah. right hopefully and yeah. and you know you feel terrible that it takes so long but yeah and, you and, still and, want to make the thing that you set out to make yeah what I will say is that as the democratization of content creation expands mm -hmm. you know it it further proves the point that people are willing to pay for what they want to see yeah and it's like on a cart programming you know you can basically pay for uh, it, you, you know, to some extent you kind of become an investor or you can um, some more so than others and uh, I think in our particular case it really um, it it gave us like it gave me a burst of energy like to mm -hmm. see that this is something that you know we actually had showrunners sure. themselves pitching like, yeah. Yeah, who, who, I mean, who gave us money thing. you know and, and, um, and, and not it, small amounts of money like they were amazing that's like, really it's, cool it's yeah. it was the most encouraging thing but it, it is fantastic to have people actually put money down for an I your idea and, and help you yeah. make it you know I mean it, it's um it was kind of overwhelming at the time. I remember, like, the literally the, the Jane Espenson calls it the number with the number where, the moment where the numbers go up by themselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and when that starts to happen, it's just yeah. like you know you're, you're kind of blown away. Um, so we actually got retweeted by Doctor Horrible. Uh, <laughs> we made it. We made a campaign video, um, uh, an update video. Mm -hmm. uh, and do you know Jonathan Riley? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So at his house, so we did like a whole Doctor Horrible oh, that's spoof. Fine. He has a TARDIS, and he's got like a <laughs> fringe observer. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Well, people should check that out. Yeah, it's a good laugh. We just incorporate like every element of like genre fiction we possibly could. As John's house, you know, is the perfect place right. to shoot that. And I'm dressed up as Doctor Horrible, and it's really silly and, and, and dumb. Um, but then you know, Doctor Horrible grabbed it online, and, and it went viral. It was. It, that was like an unforeseen but somehow right. I think it helped us with that particular uh, <laughs> fan base um, well absolutely yeah. and that is again that's the fan base who is so into the process yeah. and wants to know the nuts yeah. and bolts of these things absolutely yeah. we, um, we're part of it I mean we're yeah. fans, we're for, oh, we're fans ourselves first and, foremost and always yeah. that comes across completely oh, good. in the film nice. um, let's talk about TV for a second what did you grow up watching what did mm. you love um, I'm particularly curious about you know there were there was maybe one or two comedy writers in yeah. this. Only it was primarily drama writers. Were you a drama guy? Is that why? Um, yeah. I, I, although I do love American comedy, I've grown up like between Seinfeld, Friends, mm -hmm. all, all that stuff. Um, it, it, it was slightly harder to get comedy writers as well. Uh, to I be honest it. with you, um, we did we did try a couple of people um, who, for whatever reason, just decided that, that they didn't want to do it um, and two, two of them were female comedy showrunners as well because 
Um, it is one of the things I'm slightly disappointed with the film is that we don't have another female voice in, mm -hmm. there in, a, in a bigger way. But like again, it's not through. It's not for lack of trying. Yeah, yeah. I think people um, need again. I, I hear this all the time, and I think people need to understand that these are favors. You're basically asking for favors, yeah. and, and oftentimes that goes to, you know, you ask one person and they can recommend someone else, and, yeah. you know, yes, we want to have great diversity on these things, yeah. but it's it, it's it, not always possible. It's not always possible, you know, and, um, but I, I, like I say, I, I, do, I do think the, the, the women that are in there are very good, Janet Tamara especially, She's I think terrific. it's fantastic. Yeah, um, she, I didn't know anything about her background, that was fascinating right that was great. really cool yeah no she, she's really awesome we've had <coughs> tremendous responses to, to her stuff especially um some people after that we, we did a sneak screening at new york comic-con and mm -hmm. there were a couple of female writers who came up to me afterwards and they were like oh my god she's so inspiring and stuff so uh, that's fantastic yeah to, to I hear agree. Stuff like that. um and she's actually doing a q a after the saturday this saturday's screening oh, nice. at the arena as well Terrific. um but um yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Yeah, oh, television. Yeah, so so what, did, what did you grow up watching? What oh, were you... Um, <laughs> wow. Well, there were tons You're of... You're limited to three days. <laughs> That's all I'm you get. Listen, nobody's coming in here. <laughs> <laughs> as many as you want. You're limited to three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, because in Ireland at the time, like there was no real money for original programming, so they bought in tons of American reruns. So it was like everything from classic Trek to Man from Atlantis to Knight Rider to, like original Battlestar and stuff mm -hmm. um, but in the 90s I mean the, the X-Files was a huge thing for me you know that really like th that trying to make a mini movie of the of the uh, every week and yeah. that huge kind of serialized arc that was going through that whole show um, I loved that I read as much as I possibly could about that we actually got to meet David Duchovny and Julian Anderson <laughs> on um, his birthday on my birthday <laughs> last year at, at New, New York, York Comic Con I got a picture taken with them that's fantastic and it was really embarrassing because the first thing Duchovny said to me was so is Chris in the film and I was like <laughs> uh, no sorry he's How tough to get too he is tough to get but then we met him at WonderCon this year and he was lovely we yeah. Were, yeah so but we, we weren't asking him for any favours <laughs> right. that exactly. might have been the reason why well, other than can we have a picture with <laughs> yeah, him yeah yeah <laughs> That's fine. Um, that's a whole different. That's film. a whole, whole different film. I'll watch the yeah. hell out of that. <laughs> um, but then Buffy as well. I mean, hugely. Mm -hmm. um, the Sopranos. Um, I mean, I, I yeah. I, I just I've always kind of preferred for some reason. I I, I don't know what it is. I mean, in, in the book I, I mentioned the very first TV show I can remember watching as a kid was an, was the Spock's Brain episode of Star Trek, which is like one of the all time worst episodes of maybe <laughs> of original Trek as well. But it it, it just stuck with me um, for some reason. And uh, yeah, um, I, I guess a lot of genre stuff mm -hmm. growing up for sure. Um, and did that sort of set you on? this path did you know you wanted to be in entertainment did you know you wanted to create things i was always interested in in filmmaking i, I used to film little super eight stuff um mm -hmm. myself and whatever and I, like I, I got into the business professionally in ireland i worked as a, a camera assistant for 15 years over there mm -hmm. um but uh i yeah i'm not cam camera's great in a way but it's a very technical thing yeah. at, the, at the end of the un unless you're the dp so I was getting a little creatively frustrated, maybe, and, and wanted to do something. And you know, they always say, "Do the thing you love," or t or write or talk about the thing you love. So, I love nothing more than American TV and the people <laughs> who make it. So, here I am. That's really cool. Likewise. What yeah. What was what was the stuff that you were watching growing up? Uh, it's gonna sound weird, but like I watched the <laughs> hey, puff and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Dynasty. I watched oh, really? Dallas. What? I watched 
silk stockings on USA. This explains the frocks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I watch weird. Sh- I watch Twin Peaks as one of my favorites. Oh yeah. Um, I, I cannot yeah. pretend to you know have been cognizant and like aware and and, and mature sure. enough to ingest that sort of material <laughs> and have any kind of. We're, we're very excited. Positive coming back next. Right. Year, yeah. yeah. I'm fucking thrilled. I'm absolutely <laughs> thrilled. Uh, X Files was one of the defining shows of my of my. Uh, childhood. I think it came out when I was twelve. I just moved back. I moved to California when mm-hmm. I was uh, at that time, and I kind of saw this triangular spaceship floating. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that that. And like I went, I transitioned from like reruns of MacGyver to the X Files <laughs> like immediately, and I was done. Like that that was my that was my rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and and that show like I would get nervous between seasons. <laughs> Um, and when I'd see like the opening title credits come on and the names were different and I'm like sure. are they going to fuck it up <laughs> what is happening I'm going to write the network a letter and I was very very nervous about how this was because then you the, were so invested I was so invested I had the tops trading cards I had sure. the tops I had Stefan Petruca did the art for like the tops like from the, the, the comic books I had it, um, a newspaper rack that I stole from a, a supermarket <laughs> and I had the comic books laid out like in my room like in like their oh, original Lord. packaging okay, you, you win the nerd war yeah. I, win, I was yeah. obsessed with the X-Files I had the the you know the books the the mm. novel the novelizations of oh, funny. you know was, uh, the half issues and the zero issue and <laughs> they were like you can only get in the in the in the wizard thing or whatever oh. so anyway yeah so I mean I loved and I, then I heard about that there were like conventions for this kind of shit and I'm like all right I'm just gonna draw the line there because that's <laughs> that's where you draw that's the where line. you draw the line <laughs> right <laughs> I suppose David Duchovny really needs to water his house plants is all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, and Tara, you've made you've made a career of yeah. uh, watching television, know, <laughs> talking about television. She was a TV producer for ten years. Yeah, no, well, sure. TV producer. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, as a kid, you know, I did the the Brady Bunches and the Fantasy Islands mm-hmm. and the Love Boats, and and then uh, as I, I I got into high school, I really started to really, you know invest in like the shows that I really loved and and um, Buffy was probably the one that really kind of changed me career wise because I was producing um, on the East Coast um, for for television and mm-hmm. um, and I was writing on the side and Buffy was just the show that I was super obsessed with and that um, you know not just from a character standpoint but how they make it and you know the arcs and and uh, and so I actually um, my first print gig was writing for the Buffy the Vampire Slayer magazine from Fox really? so yeah and that actually existed and then um, what did you write? I know well, like, at that point it was really you know um, whatever actor you know I could get mm-hmm. or you know maybe sometimes it was breaking apart episodes and then it kind of became my gig um, that I would talk to the writers Mm-hmm. And I would do these kind of column pieces where we'd really talk about either, you know, dissecting, you know, why they do what they did or, you know, talking to the showrunners or, you know, I'd have a column with a showrunner for, you know, Angel or, you know, I worked for Alias and then Lost. Um, uh, they had a magazine and that I would always talk to Damon and Carlton um, and um, Eddie and Adam. Um, we about, Yeah, there you go. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it just really be, became a fascination about the, the structure and how mm. they could pull off what they were doing and... And, and and then I I went back to my alma mater to teach, n- not even expecting for that to happen, and ended up <laughs> frightening myself with the amount of knowledge that I had about it that I could sure. teach it, you know, and that, um, and and really just loving the process of 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 kids that are coming up 
trying to um, master the structure of it mm -hmm. and trying to help them and give them notes and, and work through that. And so, you know, um, as a huge hardcore TV nerd and really loving the, the, the writer's aspect of it, you know, because the, the, I love talking to actors, but you know, they only can say so much. Sure. You know, you, you, you go, okay, well, 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 why did such and such? I don't know. That's a writer's question. <laughs> you know, and you go, yeah, okay, I don't want to talk to you. You know, you. exactly. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, and especially the ones that Whether are... Whether or not they know. Yeah, exactly. And if they're producers and yeah. they have more say about it, but... I always ended up going, no, I, I want to talk to these people because they can answer my questions and they can tell me, mm. you know, and if there's, you know, something that didn't make sense or something that, you know, you, maybe there's nuance to it or subtle, and then they can really go, yeah, you caught that, and then you can have this great conversation. And so, um, you know, my day job, which is the, the magazine writing and the book writing, um, you know, really just lent itself to the knowledge of the teaching. And then, you know, this was just a, a, like a dream project when I saw that they were creating it because it's, you know... They were talking to people that I knew, but they were also talking to people that I didn't know, mm -hmm. that I would love to know more of what they sure. did. And so, you know, to really be able to crunch through all of their transcripts and, and, and highlight these really great kernels of um, advice or, you know, um, stumbling blocks. You know, one of the things that we have in the book that I think is really fascinating is um, failures. You know, shows that didn't work. You know, so it's Ron Moore talking about Carnival and it's... Um, you know, Steve Knight talking about Viva Las Vegas, you know, and then, and, and, and Viva, Viva Lachlan, sorry, and, and, and then talking about, um, you know, just these <laughs> projects that maybe it lasted a season or two, but there was a lot mm -hmm. of problems behind the, behind the scenes. And how did they, how did they do that? How did they not go, I'm done, I'm out, you mm -hmm. know, after this kind of failure or this kind of, you know, bullshit of fighting behind the scenes and having someone that created a show um, trying to work with someone that was assigned to a show and the ego's not working hmm. how they kind of structurally work with that and move forward and, and uh, you know so all of the other things that we were able to highlight for me was just it was it was fun it was a lot of work but it was a lot of fun to be able sure. to go here's all this extra stuff that for me talks right to the stuff like hits the sweet spot of all the stuff that I love to know cool that's great. Yeah, it feels like sort of a culmination of everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk just very briefly about uh, distribution on this. And when did you guys know how this film was going to be distributed? Um, we we did a deal at San Diego Comic Con last year with okay. Submarine Entertainment. And what did you were, did you have things to show at that point? Yeah, I mean that they had seen a, a, a cut of the film that was pretty close to okay. to the finished thing at that point in time um pending clearances right. um, um and and they they responded to it very well they were interested um and then uh later on this year um gravitas ventures came on board to kind of handle the the vod end of it which is kind of their speciality okay. um and then in ireland and the uk uh we're actually distributing the film ourselves um really so it's actually in cinemas in Ireland at the moment. We know everybody there. <laughs> is what he's trying to say. Uh, yeah, so and, 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 uh, it's a small country. Yeah. Actually, I, I just found out this morning that the Guardian is going to the We're Guardian newspaper in the UK is going to do a huge feature piece on us as well. Oh, that's great. Which is great! Congratulations! Yeah. Um, and then we're, we're, we're trying to figure out the rollout for the rest of the world at the mm -hmm. moment because we are constantly getting people from Spain, Germany, France to the, yeah. because the, the, that's one of the things about American television. It's everywhere, you know. Um, yeah. It's one of the reasons I was able to kind of pitch it in the first place because with the job that I used to do, I got to travel a lot. And everywhere I went, every hotel room you go into, you turn it on. <laughs> There's some American yeah, TV shows. Absolutely, there, Friends know. is on somewhere. Friends is on somewhere, <laughs> like you know, or Legend of the Seeker, and the funny, yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> exactly. 
Only um, if you watch enough of those shows, like you hear the same voice doing the, oh, you know, funny. Like yeah. doing the the, uh, uh, the dubs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, but it's it's been fantastic to to kind of. You know, this week is kind of very exciting because we're finally... It's like giving birth in a way, you know, and it's great that people can finally get to see it. Um, I don't like that analogy because <laughs> after the child comes out, you've got to, like, feed it and do other yeah. things for well, it. Well, it. Like, you kind of do a little bit with yeah. a film as well. You've got to support it and promote it. Absolutely. And, and, and That's not what you told me, Des. <laughs> <laughs> Are there festivals promised. and stuff? In your, I know you were just at yeah, AFF, we, but... We, yeah, we did Austin. Uh, we, we screened a can. We did the Edinburgh um, right. Telev- International TV Festival. And, it's Comic-Con um, Festival? Sure, I'll count sure. it. All right. Yeah. New York oh, Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con. San Diego and New York. And, God damn it. Um, <laughs> then we're playing some international festivals later on as well in Zurich. Ireland, Spain. And, you played oh, yeah, the Zurich International Film Festival. Wow. Like, I, I, they even, uh, this, this is how different the experience is of, of directing a low budget indie. <laughs> In Zurich, they flew me over, put me up in a four-star hotel, gave me a personal assistant and a car to take me wherever I wanted to go. <laughs> when, the minute I arrived in New York, I was on a floor eating a Subway sandwich <laughs> on the Subway. That's you about know? right. Yeah. That's about um, right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's all fantastic. Like, you know, and, and, and Zurich, I was kind of blown away that, like, we got almost a full house over there and because uh, you've no idea what kind of a profile of course. You, film, your film has oh. over there. But, um yeah, well, that's great. I mean, you've been able to take it overseas and at least get yeah. the screen there, and it sounds like you'll continue to be able to. Yeah, I, I mean, the the, the 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 best thing so far is that everyone who's seen it seems to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, that yeah. that's the, the universally. No, it's it's kind of un, like this is real. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's terrific. Well, it feels like you know we, for those of us who love television, whether you're in it or not these are things you don't get to see. I mean, like you said, it's even yeah. the showrunners comparing notes with each other. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's that's how, what your meeting looks like. Or that's what your office looks like. Whatever. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be very really interesting fun. tomorrow night at the panel after the Academy screening because mm-hmm. we've got about eight of the guys from the film who, oh, are, who are going to do a panel afterwards and see, see what, the, what, the, what the reaction is. Um, <laughs> for, for one or two of them, it's actually going to be their first time ever seeing the film. And they're uh, in the film. We've offered yeah. them opportunities to see yeah. it before, but they just haven't had the time. So... Um, yeah, so That'd good luck, Tara. Interesting. <laughs> Tara's moderating the, the panel. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm even just impressed by the caliber of the cinematography and that it's also, you know, not a... You know, when I'm teaching my students, and I usually always have a professional writer call in every semester, and what I tell them every time before they call is go, do not make this, you know, some kind of sparkly representation of what this job is. You need to know that you have got to bust your ass as a writer and draft and draft and, you know, you're not done when you think you're done. And if you give them an overly, um, you know, kind of sweet version of what it is they're going to have to do, because it's just um, by process of attrition, you know, you're going to, a lot of people are going to give up on this before they actually get a chance to be a writer's assistant or, you know, get that that first foot in the door to even, you know, met, be mentored. And I think what's great about the movie is that it's very honest mm-hmm. and that there isn't a overly um, warm feeling about what it takes. I mean, there's a lot of heartbreak, you know, in Mike Royce's, you know, piece, and there's a whole lot of um, success. But the the it also through anecdotes and, and in the book which we can go into more deeply it's there's a, there's a process of yeah. failure and it's you know every failure teaches them something so that they don't say I'm done I'm out of here mm-hmm. they go on and say what have I learned from this that I can move to the next um, project that I'm trying to put together and I think that's the the thing that makes a great documentary but then it is also really nice and revealing about what this job is I've had tons of my students watch it and 
we did like a little t mini tour of colleges and, and uh, I think the thing that they appreciated was the honesty and the candor so that they got an, a sense of, okay, I, now I have a better sense of what I'm getting in, in for if mm -hmm. I want to try to do this. Um, but I, they're, they seem, you know, um, empowered by that too. Like they feel like, well, now that I know um, and that I don't have to just guess how hard it's going to be, I feel like I, I have a better sense of what I need to do now. And that's great. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's a history in the city of... <laughs> Of failing upward, yeah. and I mean, for better or for worse. Yeah. But um, I think that if you can chronicle some of that journey, and you can see, like, oh, you had to fail that many times before mm -hmm. you got a show. Oh my God, then I don't feel so bad about my journey. Yep. You know, yeah. um, I mean, it's, it's just like actors; it's a total yeah. rejection. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and if and if you don't like being rewritten, stop now. Yeah. <laughs> I think the film will, will fundamentally advice. like either if you are a writer, it, may, it, it will encourage you or it will dispel you yes. from <laughs> the job in equal equally proportionate numbers. Yeah. Um, but entertain you at the same time and entertain oh, you for sure. universally for like, sure. Yeah. If you even if you if you love TV, you're you're going to enjoy this. But yes, right. if you're a writer, there's a lot to take away from it. Um, let's let's just end by asking what you are watching on television right now what are you into what's mm. getting you excited Ooh, um well i'm behind a little bit because i've been doing some book writing <laughs> this year. yeah what are you writing Tara? um uh yeah i was uh, doing this book and then uh just finished a big sons of anarchy book with kurt sutter um but um i'm i have to catch up uh, finish i'm almost done with true detective nobody <laughs> nobody spoil me please almost done with fargo everybody which I dies both of those but the for for regular tv i i still adore the good wife what a great show the kings are just they just knock it out of the park with reinventing that show. Um, I'm still really enjoying Sleepy Hollow, uh, just a fun kind of bonkers show that really is grounded well um, with the writing and the actors. And um, other than that, you know, I just uh, I I watch too much. I, I actually, I'm actually enjoying what they're doing with Walking Dead this year too a whole <laughs> lot. I think Gimple is doing a really nice mix of comic book and then you know putting it into what he needs to do originally with the, with the the show. And so, yeah, that's, those are some those are some of my cool. favorites right now. Um, I'm loving Walking Dead as well. Um, I loved Halt and Catch Fire. I thought that was fantastic. People should watch that show. Please watch that show. Um, Game of Thrones. I know. I know you're not a big fan of Game of Thrones. You're not. It's particularly. fine. <laughs> I just I have trouble with wizards and dragons and shit. Yeah, I do remember you saying something about that before. Um, and then um, when I get the Game of Thrones guy for the the guys for this podcast, that's when I'll end it. That will be my Frost Nixon, and then right. we'll be done. I, I will definitely be listening to that. Um, and then Fargo as well was just amazing. So you know? um, yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm very curious to see what they do with season two of that. Mm. And True Detective. Whether whether people will stick with it, mm -hmm. yeah. Like I mean, unlike American Horror Story, there, there's literally no follow through in terms of actors or anything. So uh, and we're invested now. Be interesting. Fellow Irishman yeah. on board. Mm. Yes, good luck, Colin. <laughs> yeah, um, myself. Lots of uh, Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> uh, oh no! Oh, there's your cred gone. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. No, I can uh, still see the movie, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I live through this. All right. No. Um. I, I Orphan Black. Adore mm. that series with the, the fiery hot passion of a thousand suns. It's genius. Uh, give, yeah, Tatiana Maslany all of the Emmys. Um, <laughs> let's see. I love Fargo. What else am I watching consistently? Uh, picked. I've been recently going back through the X Files. I mean, surprisingly, and Twin Peaks because in in, yeah. in you know preparation. preparation. Yeah. Uh, I've been watching a lot of shows that I missed as a kid. Uh, uh, Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Mm. 
Uh, that, been, that one's tough. It is <laughs> tough yeah. to watch. Yeah, it doesn't but it's on Netflix. No, it's there. It doesn't quite it is hold on up. Yeah. It feels very dated, though. Absolutely, but I can see the influence. I mean, like, oh, when, for when sure. Chris Carter, like in yeah. the like, he would do interviews and like these magazines, these really obscure like fan magazines in yeah. the nineties, and I would buy them just for that one interview. Where I'd tear the pages yeah. out and put it back. <laughs> and, I, and he would always reference Cold Jack yeah. the Night Stalker. It is, however, better than the remake they did recently. Still, that is yeah, true. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? And those are all good answers. Yeah, I accept those answers. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, everybody, see showrunners. Tell them. Tell them all about it. How all the ways they can see it. Right, all the ways you go, Des. Okay. Uh, if you're in LA, you can see it from this Friday at the Arena Cinema. Uh, you can also download it from iTunes. It's on pre-order it's right now. Yeah, you can pre-order it right now. Okay. Oh, uh, the book is also available to buy from bookstores and from Amazon and Barnes and Noble online. Terrific. And, uh, and just to be clear, like the, sh- the, the documentary is actually called Showrunners: The Art, Art of, of Running a, a TV, TV Show. show. Yes, yeah. correct. And if, if if anybody is coming to the screenings at the arena over this weekend, there will be some special guest showrunners doing some Q and A's after certain screenings. Have fun. Um, and also, if you you know. You're into that. Yeah. Oh, and, and we're doing a book signing at Meltdown Comics on Thursday night with Mike Royce uh, and okay. possibly possibly one other special guest. We shall see. So. <laughs> Terrific. Thank you guys so much for being here. I appreciate you talking. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com.